0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Some big name contenders in the NFL falling this weekend. Just late trap games, teams that overlooked their opponents, teams that just clenched the sphincter a little bit with the opportunity to get a playoff berth secured. We'll talk about what happened to those teams. We'll talk about what's happening with Fitz's team right now. This is a brand new thing for this show. When he joins me in the second hour, we'll get a post-game eventually from Fitz, which is shocking uh, and terrifying, to be honest. We know how he reacts to his Raiders every move. I'm a little concerned about the game happening at this moment right now and how he might react if things go wrong. Yeah, we got two Monday night football games, so we've got one happening right now, and then we've got Bears-Vikings later. We'll get into that Uh, with both sides of the teams involved in that one, give you a preview. Um, And then we've got two Tuesday night games, tomorrow in Seahawks, Rams, Eagles, Washington. It's all very confusing, but don't worry. I'm going to walk you through it. The results of the weekend and what's to come. It's Spain and Fitz, Solo Spain, for the first hour here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Let's start. With Last week on Thursday, Jordan Renan joined me, filling in for Fitz, and we talked about which teams we considered the real contenders in each conference. We didn't always agree, but mine were the Bucks, Cardinals, and Packers, and then the Patriots and the Chiefs. Now, if you're watching football this week, you would know that three of those five teams lost this weekend. So what went wrong for what I consider to be the true contenders? Let's get into it. Glorious weekend for the haters, by the way. Patriots and Brady lose. I mean, chef's kiss for the haters of the world. Let's talk about Brady losing because I was on Around the Horn today and I was the only one who considered this the latest in a book that the Saints are writing about how to beat Brady in the books. Everybody else said kind of a fluke. So many injuries to some of the best weapons that Brady has during that game. Eh, just chalk it up to if he had those guys, they would have won. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the fact that this Saints team has beaten the Bucks four of their last five meetings and would have won that playoff game if their offense hadn't killed them. You remember the ducks that Drew Brees was throwing there in his last game when the Saints fell to the Bucs in the postseason. Brady last season until that Super Bowl during the postseason had you know, three picks a game and did not look strong. It was the defense that kept them up. This Saints team has their number, and Harry Douglas did a great job today on KJ and Max explaining why it is that the Saints' D knows how to stop Brady and the Bucs.
2: The most important piece to this defense is that back end. You have guys that can man up and play man coverage yep. against their skill position players. Whether, it, whether Antonio Brown is there, whether it's Chris Godwin there or, 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 or Mike Evans or Gronk. They have the safeties. They have uh, Malcolm Jenkins. They have Marcus Williams. And then you look at Lattimore. Then you look at Bradley Roby. They have Debo. They have guys across the board that can mm-hmm. guard your skill position players man-to-man. And then when you add that to, 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 to getting pressure on Brady and not letting him feel comfortable, that's why those stats are like that.
1: Some wild stats, speaking of stats, from that game. The last time Tom Brady was shut out, it was to a Dolphins team coached by Nick Saban and quarterbacked by Joey Harrington. That is a real thing. That was 2006. Brady was sacked four times, turned the ball over twice on third down, lost a fumble on a scramble, threw a pick. It was an ugly outing. And everything that Harry Douglas just said was right. This is about really good personnel to be able to play a stifling man-to-man and not let Brady dink and dunk down the field, be able to really cover those weapons that he's looking for. But it's also about a team that can rush with four or less. In fact, they rushed with four or less a 92% of the dropbacks in that game. This is the story against Brady for years. In fact, the loyal lebitard listener will remember Mina Kimes going down a zip line ahead of a Brady Super Bowl, screaming slash, slash crying while saying that the, the opposing team in the Falcons would win the game if they could just get to him with four or less. This is the book on him, and the Saints have figured it out. His 179 career home starts, regular season playoff, were the most from a QB without being shut out. Had never been shut out at home. Now Drew Brees has that record and it's the fourth time uh, Brady since joining Tampa Bay where he had at least five combined turnovers and sacks, all of them against the Saints. So forgive me if my fellow panelists on Around the Horn want to shrug and make it just about the injuries. This is about a game plan, and it's a game plan that a lot of other teams will try to use, but you got to have the right personnel and you got to have the right scheme. It's tough to replicate. So this doesn't have me thinking the Bucks are a lost team, but what we find out about the rest of that squad and the injuries that resulted, huge. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette all knocked out during that game, and now we find out that Godwin's out for the season with a torn ACL. So the Bucks still a contender in my eyes, but the Saints sure helping other teams see how to figure it out. It's Spain and Fit, Solo Spain with you on ESPN Radio. Talking about some of the contenders this weekend that lost. Uh, it, it's It's... It's surprising in a weekend when you see the Bucs and the Pats lose, but the Pats were one of those teams. And again, this this was a Colts team that did to the Pats what Bill Belichick usually does to other teams. They had his number. They came out scheming. There were so few passes by Carson Wentz, they just let Jonathan Taylor do the dirty work and it didn't matter. It's not the same, but similar to what the Pats did to the Bills. You knew what they were doing and you just couldn't stop it and somehow it humbled bill belichick enough to come back after the game and apologize to the media for his curt answers after the loss i i don't know why i picture mac jones in a cardigan sitting down telling bill you know listen if you're going to want us to be accountable you got to do it too it's a learning lesson for you you're an old dog but you can learn new tricks I don't think that actually happened. I don't know why, though. I just picture Mac Jones in a Mr. Rogers cardigan having a heart-to-heart with Bill and him deciding, you know what, for once and for all, I'm going to come out and I'm going to own my mistakes. The Colts, by the way, in that game, not only did their playoff odds shoot up to 88% according to 538.com, but Jonathan Taylor's MVP argument getting stronger and stronger. That's the game you got to do it in. On a Saturday night, against the Patriots, beating them for the first time since 9 And Jonathan Taylor, that insane ripped-off touchdown run, right in front of everybody, 67 yards, had 170 total on 29 carries. That's when you do it, if you want to convince people that it shouldn't just be a quarterback race. So the Patriots, again, still contenders to me. This is a team that's usually not going to make mistakes, that's usually going to win. I don't know if they overlooked the Colts or if it was just a bad matchup, but they're still contenders to me. The one that lost that might not be, it's really scaring me, is the Cardinals. Here's what Harry Douglas said about them on primetime.
2: See the play at Calamari today wasn't up to the standards that we are accustomed to seeing him play at. We see his play last week. He didn't make the plays that he was supposed to make in a game against the Rams. That was on Monday Night Football where the world was watching. But not only that, you look at their red zone struggles today. They were 0-4 in the red zone. You you get an opportunity to get in the red zone. You've got to score points. You want to score touchdowns uh, at best, but you can't go over down there. But then at the same time, you're starting to see these injuries creep up with this team too. You see D-Hop. You see J.J. Watt. And that's the thing. we seen them last year. They started off good, but down the stretch uh, they depleted and, and didn't finish the, reg- the regular season well. I am hope they're not going down this path to where we're going to start seeing – Um, less great football from this Arizona team because it's another team that, on paper, they have the players. They just haven't been executing the way they're supposed to.
1: 100% true. Last four starts for Kyler, one of three with three touchdowns and five interceptions. It's getting ugly over there. We'll talk about it later, whether that's sticking around or whether they just need to write the ship. You could be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Tweet us, at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football bowl season is here, and fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Coming up, still a lot more to unpack from this weekend. An expert going to join us to do it next.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast.
1: Go see The Night Before. If you haven't watched it yet, just rent it. It's $3.99. It's on like every streaming. You can buy it. Watch it. This is in it. It's so good. Instant classic Christmas movie. The Night Before. Do it. Spain and Fitz. Solo Spain for the first hour here. ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel eighty. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. An ESPN senior NFL writer, host of the Bill Barnwell Show, joins us now on the Goodyear hotline to talk about the weekend in the NFL. In fact, there's a game going on right now that I'm keeping you from, and I apologize for that, Bill, but there's too many games. There's too many games on too many days and too many times this week to really be able to avoid that.
3: Sarah, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, having watched this game, you're not keeping me from anything. <laughs>
1: excellent. Excellent. Good to know. Uh, last week, I declared that there were only five teams I considered true contenders. The Bucks, Cards, Pack, Pats, and Chiefs. Three of those five teams mm-hmm. lost this weekend. What the hell's <laughs> wrong with Arizona?
3: Arizona feels like a, a team where like they are so dependent on Kyler Murray just making absolute magic happen from snap to snap and, and, you know, but you can win a lot of games that way, but I felt like the lions really did a good job. They scouted out what the Cardinals were doing. It it felt like, you know, they just had a really strong grasp on the Cardinals core offensive concepts. And I think, you know, I want to see more changeups from the Cardinals on offense, because I feel like, you know, you can rely on Kyler, but when we see him play some of these better teams on the stretch, and maybe the offense is banged up a little bit, uh, I think that's going to be a problem
4: for them.
1: So he's been terrible. One of three with three touchdowns, five interceptions in his last four starts. I think I heard from Sedano today that his – I don't know, his QBR is something was like dead last over the last couple games of, wow. of qualifying quarterbacks. It's it's not been good. He is adamant that this isn't the same as last year when they had a, a midseason swoon. They gave themselves a much bigger pad here with the 10 wins mm-hmm. before they started to struggle. But it won't matter much if they're one and done in the postseason after that great start. Is that what you're expecting now from what you've seen lately?
3: It kind of feels that way. You know, It kind of feels like the Rams are just going to make a late-season surge here not be enough for them to win the division and and I think certainly you know for the Cardinals I mean getting into the playoffs is good I mean that helps it's always nice to make it to the postseason but given the high hopes we saw after the first half of the year when you can make a credible case they were the best team in football Mm -hmm. I I did I I said it a lot (laughs) anything short of a postseason win would feel like it was pretty disappointing
1: Okay, let's talk about the Bucks' loss to the Saints. To me, this is not a fluke. This is the continuation of a story being told by the Saints defensive coordinator and team as a whole about how to stop Brady. Um, but is it transferable to other teams that might be able to stop them in the postseason? Who else has the personnel that they'd be able to play that kind of stout man D, be able to rush with four or fewer, and be able to put him in those uncomfortable positions that, that saw him fumbling, sacked, et cetera?
3: Yeah, I think the Rams come to mind, right? You know, the Rams are a team where we know they have incredible talent up front. Like, they have Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is, you know, one of a kind in the NFL. They have on who hasn't done much so far. But as a secondary pass rusher, you kind of figure he has to be ready for the postseason. Like, anything he does in the regular season for them feels like it's a bonus. Um, And then they have Jalen Ramsey, which means you can play man on – you know, the Bucks' best receiver, which at this point, mm-hmm. you know, is probably going to be Mike Evans, given that Chris Godwin's done for the year, and you can kind of match up accordingly elsewhere. So I feel like, you know, the Rams have that personnel where, you know, it's not an exact copy, but they do have the pieces that can kind of handle what the Buccaneers have to throw at them.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, solo Spain for the first hour here, talking to Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior NFL writer and host of the Bill Barnwell show. Um, you know, the, the other team is the Patriots, and, and that game's a couple days old now, but um, the Colts really giving them a taste of their own medicine. Is this more about the Colts continuing their drive towards true contention, or is it more about just an off night for, for the Pats?
3: I felt like it was more an off night nice for the Pats. I mean, you know, how often does a Bill Belichick team give a block punt for a touchdown? Like, that's the kind <laughs> of thing the Patriots do to other teams. They got out. You know, typically the Patriots, the ones who get out to the big lead and then they run the ball, they keep their quarterback out of bad situations, and they play great defense. And this time it was the opposite. Mac Jones had to throw a lot in this game. We saw some good stuff. We saw some very questionable decisions from Mac Jones, to be fair. And we saw that the the Colts were able to kind of just hold on for dear life for most of that game until they got that late touchdown run from Jonathan Taylor. So I think... You know, uh, again, like I think that first quarter is going to be so important against the Patriots because if they get out to an early lead, it's going to be really tough for you to catch up on them. But if you get out to an early lead, that puts the Patriots in a serious weak spot given the strengths and weaknesses of their team right now.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. The Colts obviously figured out how to try to put them in a situation where they needed to win using Mac Jones, who has been really good and solid, but has been sort of a system guy who's doing what Bill does and doesn't have to be fantastic. Is that sort of how to get to this, to this Pats team?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you watch them play, even when they're playing well on offense, They get to third and long. They protect Mac Jones. It's not going to be stuff throwing downfield typically. It's going to be draws. It's going to be screens. It's going to be quick throws. It's going to be about Mac Jones not ruining the game for the Patriots. And when the Patriots are down 10 points, 14 points, Mac Jones has to make those plays whether he's able to do it reliably or not. And they don't have the personnel really to kind of hit those deep shots downfield. So I think for the Patriots, You know, so much depends on them just kind of keeping Mac Jones in situations where they don't have to expose him. He might be able to do it, but I think the Patriots rather not have to find out, especially if they have to find out in the postseason.
1: Spain and Fitz talking to Bill Barnwell here on the Goodyear Hotline about the weekend of NFL games. It's the end for Daniel Jones. They're shutting him down for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think Gettleman's going to be gone. People are wondering about Joe Judge. And now whether this might be it for Daniel Jones as a Giants player. Just how blown up is this blow up going to be?
3: Sarah, I, there's no reason to be upset about the Giants. Their fans got a medium soda. They
1: did. Well, not all of them. Just the game. one person who has the got PSL <laughs> under their name. So I'm so sorry if you brought your whole family. You're all going to share the one medium. No refills. Also Pepsi, <laughs> no Coke.
3: One medium one medium Pepsi to share with <laughs> your entire family. I mean, it, it really depends on, I think, how they feel about this upcoming draft. Because they do have two first-round picks. They had the first rounder from the Bears, have their own first-round pick. I, I, and it depends on what they do at, at coaching staff because I think – You know, Joe Judge, you can make a case he deserves another year. You can make a case that he does not deserve another year. Dave Gettleman, I think it's tougher to make that case. And I think, you know, when whoever's making the decisions for the Giants is going to have to evaluate these first round quarterbacks, which we don't think are all that great of a draft class. And if they can find a guy they like, I think they would move on from Daniel Jones, decline his fifth year option, and kind of get that next guy in. But if they don't see a guy they like, they kind of have to commit to Daniel Jones, not just for this year, but also then about $20 million for 2023. Mm. So such a tough offseason coming for the Giants. And I think, you know, they're going to have to find the right person to make those decisions, regardless of what happens with Daniel Jones' neck.
1: I always used to, when I, I think of this, I always go back to what I used to say about Jay Cutler, which was, okay, yeah, we don't really like him, but who? Who is it then? Because there aren't guys in the draft. Who are we getting before we just throw out the guy who's not great but isn't as terrible as plenty of other teams? And that's kind of where I am with Daniel Jones. Definitely not great, but, like, figure out who you're getting before you toss him out. It's Bill Barnwell. Hey, we got a minute left. I wanted to ask you about the Niners. I think some people are Mm -hmm. are a little prisoner of the moment here on a team that beat the Falcons, who aren't very good, beat the Bengals, who Mm are okay, lost to the Seahawks, beat the Vikings, who are, you know, dramatic but not that good. Jaguars suck. They they beat the Rams, which was a solid win but that was back you know when they were kind of adjusting um they lost to the Mm -hmm. Cardinals they lost to the Colts this is not that great of a team but looks better than the beginning of the season is that just what's swooning people or I guess luring them into thinking that they are real contenders and the top of the cream of the crop in that division now
3: I don't think they're the cream of the crop, but they are competitive. They can run the football, and they can rush the passer when Nick Bosa's not on the, uh, on the COVID list. Um, Secondary is terrible. Secondary is a disaster. And their passing game, I, I think, is more about just working off a of play action. So I, I think if they have the right matchup, they can be feisty, but the wrong matchup and the wrong game script, I think they're not all that great of a football team.
1: Yeah, I'm a little confused. We're going to get into that in good take, hot take later, because somebody did say cream of the crop, Have risen to the top. Everybody respect the Niners. I just made a rhyme. Uh, I don't agree. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Hey, Bill, get back to that great Browns-Raiders game and make sure you're all settled in for Bears-Vikings. Don't want you to miss a minute.
3: I got that 1st time pick on the way, Sarah.
1: <laughs> Bill Barnwell. Listen to the Bill Barnwell Show and read him, ESPN senior NFL writer. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up, we preview the regularly scheduled Monday night football game, the aforementioned Incredible Bears-Vikings. It's coming up next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Somehow we got two Monday night games. That's right. Two Monday night games wasn't supposed to be this way, but COVID has given us two Monday night games, two Tuesday games. Right now, Vegas leading the Browns 13-7 to early in the fourth. We'll keep you updated on that. That'll distinguish and determine what Fitz's mood is like when he arrives in a half hour or so. But the regularly scheduled Bears-Vikings is coming up next give you a little insight into that it's solo spain here spain and Fitz were presented by progressive insurance and it's time for the monday night football preview brought to you by progressive insurance
0: the rest of monday night is given over to those gargantuan goliaths of the gridiron, setting the scene for another monday night football showdown that bouncing behemoth ballet known better as professional football Here's the Monday Night Spotlight on Spain and Fitz.
1: Courtney Cronin, often a co-host here on this fine show, is a majority of her time spent covering the Vikings. And it's been quite a year to cover the Vikings. Drama queens, these Vikings are. Courtney, let's talk about the opportunity that the Vikings have tonight. Despite their 6-7 and seven record and a very up-and-down season, they're still in it. Uh, what do they need to do tonight to beat the Bears and keep their hopes alive?
5: Uh, probably throw the ball to Justin Jefferson, considering Chicago's <laughs> without every starting cornerback right. that they yeah. have because they're all mm-hmm. on the COVID list or they're hurt. And <laughs> they had to call up nine guys today, one off IR, the rest off the practice squad. Like this should be on paper a perfect opportunity for the Vikings to get Justin Jefferson a career best game. But we know this is the Chicago Bears team that's a thorn in their side. They always tend to play poorly when they play against Chicago. Matt Nagy is five and one against Mike Zimmer. Uh, over his tenure so I I would think though that how weak this secondary is for Chicago you take advantage of that like I know they want to run the ball with Dalvin Cook but this is an opportunity even without Adam Thielen get Adam get uh, KJ Jefferson, KJ Osborne involved behind Justin Jefferson we saw how bad the Bears were covering Mercedes Lewis last week a perfect opportunity for Tyler Conklin to get involved too
1: Courtney the defensive side is also something that could be very promising for the Vikings tonight, particularly their defensive front. They lead the league with 41 sacks, and they're going up against Justin Fields, who, despite some promise and some excitement around some, some, some passes and some plays with his legs, has taken endless sacks and constantly uh, looks like he just needs a little more time back there. This feels like a bad matchup for the Bears.
5: Yeah, I mean, especially considering how decimated their offensive line is. I mean, they had two rookies playing out there last week, and we anticipate that's going to be just as problematic this week for Chicago. And and the thing with the Vikings is they've been hurt on the defensive line, too. I mean, for so many games they've been without Michael Pierce and, and Dalvin Tomlinson. They're back, but, like, They've had to manufacture pressure off the edge in ways that you know they didn't want to have to this year, without Daniil Hunter, without Everson Griffin, and now they're in a situation where it seems that they kind of have some recipe for that. At least they figured out kind of the rotation of what they're doing with Sheldon Richardson, where they play him, DJ Wanum, in, in rotating guys around more than they would like to. But it's but it's worked so far, and you know against the quarterback. Like Justin Fields, where you want to play contain. I mean, they've got to be able to do that early on because he is somebody that he doesn't rely on his athleticism nearly as much as I thought he would for a rookie. But he can, and this you don't want you don't want to test that for sure if you if you're the
1: Vikings. Courtney Cronin covers the Vikings. She's here with me on Spain and Fitz. Uh, last question for you quickly. I, I mentioned these are the cardiac kids. What kind of conversations does the team have about their tendency to to not be able to put away games and and and, and to constantly be in close ones?
5: Yeah, it's frustrating for, for players because they don't want to play down to their competition, but it seems like they've done that in a lot of games. I mean, certainly Detroit. And then you build a big lead against the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and you b- nearly blow it. So, like – Ten games a season, ten consecutive games they've played in have been one-score games. Not good for the Minnesota Vikings Oof. tonight. I think the line changed. I think they're seven-point favorites because of all the injuries and stuff with the Bears. So hopefully they actually finish that way, too.
1: Awesome stuff, Courtney. Enjoy the game tonight, uh, whatever it looks like. Uh, we'll try. We'll try. <laughs> we'll i get try. Marcy Cola in the press box. There at you Field. go. There you go. I hope they gave it to you for free, just like the Giants. Uh, that's Courtney Cronin. On the other side of the ball, we've got the Bears, and uh, we already touched on some of their issues, but let's dive into just how brutal it's going to be for the Bears in terms of the personnel they have available. Lawrence Holmes, who is a host on 670 Score, also the host of the El- House of L podcast, joins us now. Lawrence, it's the-, it's the crossover everybody didn't know they needed. I'm excited to have you on. Can you explain to us exactly how serious this uh, deficit is for the Bears tonight in terms of important personnel?
4: Well, they had close to 20 people organizationally that are in the COVID protocol. So now some of their deficiencies are even worse. Whether we're talking about the defensive backfield or the offensive line, injuries plus the COVID list has got them really reeling. Like We were looking at this this afternoon kind of joking around that that the line for Justin Jefferson, the over, under, and yardage is 95 and a half, <laughs> that seems really low considering what the Bears' back four <laughs> looks like tonight.
1: Courtney just pointed out the Bears have won five of the last six n- meetings. Nagy certainly has Zimmer's number. Um, I know that seems unlikely with the, the, with the players that they have out, but what is it about the Bears' team that they do well uh, when they meet up with Minnie?
4: I actually think it, it has more to do with the Vikings. I, I, they're such a chameleon. It's like whatever team they're playing, they play up to or down to. And whenever it comes to the Bears, they play down. Like Think about some of those games that we've seen, Sarah. Like Think about that Sunday night game that was supposed to be all offense. and I think it ended up like 13-9 to nine or whatever it was. They seem to do this, but you're right. And Matt Nagy has had success against mike zimmer people in chicago i'm not even sure if they're hoping that they have success tonight then again (laughs) brian pace gave away their draft picks to the giants so maybe it doesn't even matter
1: Right, right. I want to ask about that. Lawrence Holmes, ho- uh, host of the House of L podcast and a host on 670 The Score here in Chicago. Let's talk about how Chicagoans in, in our hometown are reacting to this team. Obviously been a very disappointing season. Bringing back Nagy and Pace and all these people that they should have got ridden of last year, rid of last year has been frustrating. The only saving grace has really been the idea that they have the guy finally in Justin Fields. But his QBR is... Uh, Hovering down with like Jimmy Clausen, so for worst of all time, um, and is just barely better than Zach Wilson this year. It's obviously part of being on a bad team, but are the high points of Justin this year enough to make you not as worried as maybe you should be about the lows?
4: Yes, especially if there is some sort of change in the Bears front office and and their coaching staff. I think that he showed you. A lot of people, you remember this, Sarah, a lot of people were worried after that Cleveland game, oh, well, is he going to turn into David Carr? And what he showed was some real toughness after that. That's what I like about him, that there's been some resiliency. He's clearly got talent. And now it's just a matter of, do you have a coach that can get the most out of him, that is willing to play to his skills and move the pocket, allow him to make some of the, the decisions that he needs to make? I hope that he gets a much better staff that understands him because Matt Nagy, he's so dogmatic. He wants his system. Mm -hmm. He keeps trying to make fetch work and and he (laughs) wants his system to work so badly that he loses sight of the personnel that's in front of him, whether it's Justin Fields or Tevin Jenkins, leaving Tevin Jenkins out on the island for a big portion of last week's game was silly considering we're talking about a kid who had never played left tackle and and has a back surgery that he's been through. It's stuff like that that makes people not understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish. And we see it, like uh, the glimpses of, of Justin Fields stepping out of the shadow, but he needs more help
1: yeah he needs more help and he needs more time because what we see is when the first read is there he can throw it with pinpoint accuracy he can make moves with his legs and his athleticism all that stuff is there but it doesn't work out very well when he needs too much time and when he needs to read a defense and part of that is because the offense sucks most of the time the play calling isn't good and part of that is the help that he's missing Um, and yet somehow we're optimistic about him that really tells you just how beaten and battered we are Uh, Lawrence that stat about the uh, 1940s Sid Luckman offense having more yards per game than the 2021 Bears offense is is going to haunt me forever uh thank you so much for the time it appreciate it should it's rightfully so uh thanks for coming on i again enjoy the game uh it should be messy how about this watch the game watch Question the game mark? for for a little bit and then i you know i got i got elf and home alone still queued up and ready i haven't gotten to those this year so that might make the switch uh Lawrence holmes you can listen to him on 670 the score in chicago and the host of house of Elf podcast thanks lawrence
4: peace sarah
1: brought to you by progressive insurance if your pet is hurt in a car accident progressive pays up to a thousand dollars in vet expenses with free pet coverage visit progressive.com coming up a shocker You'll never believe this. A proposal at a live sporting event, and it went wrong. You'll never believe it. I'll break it down next. Spain and Fitz.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz. Solo Spain with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80. We got Bears, Vikings, Monday Night Football coming up in about a half hour. Cleveland has now taken the lead over the Raiders in the fourth quarter. This is a Raiders team that started out. Seven nothing, ten nothing, ten seven, and now fourteen thirteen is the score of very, very, very cranky Jason Fitz probably headed over here for the second half of the show. It is Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM channel eighty. Guest join me on the Goodyear Hotline. I'm going to get into a weird and wild proposal at a sporting event and and not the usual kind, which is awkward enough on its own, but uh, this was even worse. But first, another funny story, a gambling wager going on within the Cowboys. So this is a team betting within themselves about the success of the offense and defense. This is a Cowboys team that started out the season having everybody talk about that powerful offense. And could the defense be just good enough to not lose games for them. But how they are winning now is all about the defense. So much so that Dak Prescott and Demarcus Lawrence, defense men, have a bet between the offense and defense for the remainder of the se- season that pits the touchdowns scored by the offense versus the takeaways created by the defense. After, now, Dak, very smart, started this more recently so that the deficit is not as bad. Defense is up 4-2 right now after Sunday's win against the Giants. They had four takeaways there, three interceptions and a fumble recovery uh, versus two touchdowns uh, by Ezekiel Elliott and a Prescott touchdown pass. Uh, But if they had started this earlier, it would have been a much bigger deficit because that defense has been rolling and that offense has been sputtering. Here's Tim Hasselbeck uh, on SportsCenter talking about just what's wrong with the Cowboys offense.
6: Kind of all week you're hearing, hey, Dak Prescott, he's really struggling. And, you know, he was eager to get out and kind of maybe prove people wrong, that he was kind of back on track. I thought today he was really let down by the people around him. Yes, they won the football game. They beat a team that they were significantly better than, but I thought the guys around him on offense played poorly. We're looking at a couple of drops from C.D. Lamb. There's a couple of busts on the offensive line in terms of pass protection. Uh, There's a bad job a few times on, on some perimeter screens that they were trying to, you know, kind of get easy completions with. And, you know, the thing I would say is there's no doubt about it that the Quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys is going to get a lot of, you know, praise when they win and and criticism when they lose. But quarterback is still a dependent position. And while the guys on defense are playing great together, the guys on offense need to do the similar thing. Otherwise, it may be a quick exit in the postseason for Dallas.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, you're going to get a lot more credit when you're good and a lot more blame when you're bad if you're the quarterback, but that's for good reason. And that offense. Uh, was really supposed to be a a powerhouse to the point where if you added in a decent defense, all of a sudden you're looking at a team that can't be stopped. The defense has got their part down. They have 31 takeaways this season. That's the most for a Dallas defense since 2014. 23 interceptions as a team is the most since 1999. And I mentioned that Dak was smart about when this bet started because they're only down 4-2 to right now. If you counted the two games before that, 12 takeaways for the Cowboys in the last three games and just five combined rushing and passing touchdowns for the offense. Louis Riddick was on, uh, you know, Kate, uh, Keyshawn, J. Will and Max. He was talking about the Cowboys struggling as well.
4: Zach said himself, I need to play better. That I haven't really been ripping it like I was earlier in the season. Some of that's on him. Some of it's on the adjustments that teams have made to his style, to his rhythm, to his tendencies. Zeke's not hundred percent healthy. There's been a lot of in and out on the offensive line, which was a staple, a strong point for them early in the season. The one constant, though, with this team, which is cool, which is good at this time of year, is the defense. They're driving the bus. That's the strength of the team. That's going to bail them out in many situations where aesthetically it doesn't look good, but they keep putting up Ws, which is the most important thing.
1: It is the most important thing, at least right now it is, but they're going to need both sides of the ball if they want to do some damage in the postseason. Their remaining schedule, a lot of division opponents. They've got the Washington football team and the Eagles, and then they've got a Cardinals team that's been reeling. I'm going to ask y'all, I'm going to put it up on the uh, Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, who will win the bet, the defense or the offense? Remember, the defense currently has a 4-2 to lead. It is forced takeaways versus touchdowns. Three games left. Can that offense catch up and surpass them? You would let us know um, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, who you think is going to win that bet between Dak and uh, DeMarcus. By the way, Jerry Jones, I love this, talking about how, oh, I like it. It's the spirit of competition. Back in the day, uh, you know, Dion and Michael and, and folks like that would be betting $50,000 a play during practice you know, tw- you know, scrimmage drills, and we had to put an end to that. You don't say. <laughs> Sounds like it might cause some folks to take things a little too seriously at practice against uh, teammates that they're supposed to be on the same side as. It's Spain and Fitz. Solo Spain with you here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We will keep an eye on both sides of the ball of the Cowboys, not just for the bet, but clearly because that is a team, if they can get their offense back to what we expected and what we saw early in the season, Could do some real damage down the stretch. And a lot of folks, myself included, lately have not had them in our list of real contenders. Uh, But a a couple good games for that offense, and that changes. Uh, I mentioned a proposal, and I talked about this when I won around the horn today. So no reality rig job here. Uh, Jets-Dolphins game. A gentleman in a Dolphins hat and a shirt that said Jets, 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 suck, suck, suck. Uh, wanted to propose to his lady, because honestly, what is more romantic than a Jets-Dolphins game in a week 15 of the season that they're both mathematically eliminated from? And I, I actually, I don't know. I, chances are the Dolphins are still in it because I think there's 28 teams still in it, so the Dolphins still have a chance. But anyway, the point is, the romance at Jets-Dolphins is off the charts. He decides to propose. He presumably spends a lot of money to have the scoreboard at the game, during the game, put up a picture of the two of them, and say... You know, will you marry me? And then, of course, the cameras put that up. The whole crowd sees it. They're ready. They want the payoff. Live shot cuts away to the gal, the lucky lady in the crowd. Unfortunately, she's all alone. Uh, He picked a very inopportune time, exactly. To, I don't know, buy some nachos, get a beer, drain the lizard. I don't know what you need to do. I, I, I would think you'd have some general idea. You're spending a lot of money. I've, I've done this for people before with, you know, birthdays and stuff. In fact, my husband and I proposed to our officiant on the Wrigley Field scoreboard. Uh, It said, Fred, will you marry us, Brad and Sarah? I hope we confused people. That was the goal. Uh, But he was our friend that was going to officiate our wedding, assuming he said yes, which he did. I've paid for those before. They tell you when it's going to be up there. They say, here, it's going to be this many minutes into this break or between this quarter and this quarter. And then you just sit in your seat and wait. You gotta. Because you can't have a proposal with only one person there. It's a really important part of the proposal is that both of you are there together for it. Well, he wasn't. So... They cut away to her and she's kind of looking around like maybe he left on purpose so that he could like swoop back in dramatically with the ring or maybe a a gesture where he's got, you know, a ton of balloons or the mascots with him. But no, he just wasn't there. So some in-crowd videos later uh, captured the moment where he returned, uh, got down on one knee. Again, he proposed wearing a shirt that said Jets, 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 suck, 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 and a light up Miami cap. And a a chain of light-up string oversized Christmas lights around his neck. Romance, again, off the charts. She said yes. I I, I guess it's a happy story. My advice to you, since proposals happen a whole lot over over the holidays, is try to make it so both participants are there for it. It's a special moment. Made more special when you're both there. Uh, Don't forget to listen to the Man in the Arena podcast, a 10-part series exploring how sports impacts our everyday lives through the lens of Tom Brady's career, available wherever you get your podcasts, and brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. Need to finance a home like a pro? Rocket can. By the way, if you got proposed to and got engaged at a stadium and you enjoyed it, more power to you. You never know what you're into. But again, you should both be there for it. I think that's pretty important. Coming up, Jason Fitz is going to join us and he will probably be irate. And I am mildly terrified. We'll see how this goes next. Everybody over here at Spain and Fitz just took a real deep breath and sighed with our full bodies because Fitz's Raiders just pulled it off. They blew a lead, they got behind kicker successful but was iced can he do it again can he hit it again the answer is yes browns fans putting the paper bags on their heads feeling like i guess you know browns fans like they felt for a long time now not a not a good l for cleveland again COVID of course a huge part of this down to a third string quarterback but yeah that 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 one hurts for cleveland Meanwhile, Fitz is going to stroll in here like LeVar Ball on SportsCenter acting like that was some big accomplishment for his Raiders. It's Bane and Fitz, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Yeah, the Raiders kick it for the win in the first of two Monday night football games tonight. I, I don't know. You know, I was having this conversation with someone on social media. She said her husband couldn't enjoy the Lions win over the Cardinals this weekend because of the draft position. And I said, the only way to sort of reconcile your feelings there is to remember that there are players out there who are putting their literal lives on the line, bodies on the line every week. And it really sucks to not win. It sucks to not be able to celebrate, to not go into the locker room and hug your buddies and feel good about what you accomplished. And so when I'm kind of torn between whether I want my team to lose and and. And get that draft spot, which doesn't matter again for the Bears because they gave away their picks this year. But I always try to think about at least the players, maybe even some of them who will retire the next season, who want those moments of happiness. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? Fits. I like,
7: I don't know, I don't know anything to, about yeah. losses. I have no I'm
1: Sarah? trying to figure out what you're feeling right now. Are you even in a position where you're like, I, I still want my team to win? I feel like there's something to be accomplished this season. Of
7: course, according to the FPI, if the Raiders win out, they have a 90-something percent chance of making the playoffs. Now they're not going to win out. But there is still a very <laughs> real chance that they could. So I want the what do Raiders. We got and- we got
1: Broncos, Chargers, Colts.
7: Yep, if they it's win all three it's not impossible,
1: games, but not likely.
7: That Colts game becomes the real sticking point. But Ooh, yeah, I-, I will say this: this is the last 15 minutes of my life. Okay, I'm on air for the Monday Night Football Tailgate <laughs> uh-huh. Digital Show with a huge TV just off to the right, trying to preview the Vikings Bears game. Talk about that with any modicum of like some level of, of, like, I've got all this Interest, research on it. Yeah, like am I'm, I'm trying. I'm just I'm <laughs> totally pitching it to my co-host the entire time. And as we watch the end of the game, I literally said on air, guys, I'm doing the best I can. There's under a minute left. I'm just trying to get through this thing. So the show ends as the Raiders make the game-winning kick, but they iced the kicker, right? Yes,
1: Daniel Carlson got iced.
7: So I'm like, okay, no worries. Carlson got iced. I even said into the mic, I said, usually I run across campus to get to Sarah. I'm going to make sure I watch this kick first. Then I shall run across campus, at which point they turned off all the lights in the studio. So I didn't even see the kick. I didn't see the kick. I had oh to run across campus. God. Didn't see the kick. Like the whole, I'm running across campus with a mask on because we must wear a mask indoors at Disney at ESPN. Good, smart, so I've wise. got the mask on indoors, running across campus while I'm refreshing Twitter, just hoping to God that nobody gets in front of me because if they do, I'm going to hit them. I can't see them. There's no chance I'm looking First at my of phone. All, you're
1: not moving fast enough. I've seen you run. It's barely well, technically well, that, a run. Probably,
7: that's probably it, it. Was a trot. We'll <laughs> it call it a like good the trot. The
1: Flintstones powering a car, but and there then, is no car around you. You just can't pick up your feet anymore,
7: and then I round the corner, feeling victorious and happy. And what do I hear? As, as, as I hear coming down the halls, because the hallways of ESPN Radio is playing ESPN Radio. I hear, and Fitz is going to stroll in here like they did something special. You know what? <laughs> all I know uh, is that my beloved radio got to win. Yeah, no, did I, you do it? Did no. you
1: did you walk in like Levar, all chesty?
7: No, I did not. I, in fact, I'm pretty sure that uh, there's video of me saying inappropriately I can't believe we're letting Mullins do this to us and I might have used a couple of <laughs> words in there that we're not okay uh, as a pre-tape segment was playing on our show so uh yeah I I you know what there's no there's no pride in this win but uh though to answer your question from earlier that I do think is a, a really interesting conversation as a, a fan of a, a team that's had one winning season in 16 years the one thing I always say to the what are we rooting for is that I get that now 17 Sundays. And those Sundays are so controlled. My joy, my happiness comes from watching <laughs> wins. I will never get to the spot where I'm comfortable watching my team lose, saying it'll help me next year, because what we all forget is that a lot of teams are bad because they can't draft well. So this whole yeah. concept of I'm gonna go to the draft and hit a home run. How are Jets feeling Jets fans feeling about that Zach Wilson pick today? Right. Like so right. Yeah, I, still there's don't too, know. there's too much there's too much out there that's a variable. I just want to watch wins.
1: First of all, I just found the video of you running and I retweeted it just in case people don't know. Okay, that perfect. Looks yes. like someone hey, trying to power. Hey, I have worked on my,
7: uh, Let me tell you, that was car. That was I. I can now touch my shins. All right, that's that's good mm. for me. Got to the point mm. where I can touch my shins. I, my body fat's down. My cardio's up. Like proud of you. I'm, I'm, you, I'm feeling like this year I might do the video again and do a left right comparison just to show You'll the world. Be able
1: to pick your feet up. Pick oh your man, feet off the ground. Well, I don't know nice if that's work. I'm proud of you. The hips are a little uh, more
7: bendy though. Like I've been doing like some cha cha hip moves during some of my workouts. That are like. Ooh. Gotta get your hips going left or right. Ooh. Good
1: for you. I can oh, put good. my full hand past my wrist down on the ground while bending over. Um, wow. so I don't know how touching your shins is something that hey, you I should couldn't be I couldn't touch
7: my knees about. before. Like I couldn't touch my uh, knees I've, before. I've
1: been told you look sweaty just from that quick jaunt across campus. Oh, yeah, so I, I am a little I'm maybe, a little sweaty That's the yeah, Let's... Take it down a notch on bragging sweats. about yeah. your fitness. It's Spain and Vince, Sarah Spain, Jason spitz Hey, by the way, don't forget to tune into the "That's What She Said" podcast, hosted by yours truly, fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women's sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade's proven formula is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. This week's episode. Festivus grievances from folks that you know around the sports world, complaining about the worst things in sports, and the reading of my annual "Twas the Night Before Christmas" poem. It's a it's a, a lot of work. Are we going to so are we going be- to
7: get the Night Before Christmas poem on the show? Yeah, yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: think Wednesday is our last show. Is that okay. right?
7: I think so. Yes. yes. I'll
1: plan on plan on doing a reading. Uh, I want to ask you quickly because we're just talking about the Raiders and um, we we will maybe get back to them if if we feel like diving (laughs) deep into the teams that are still technically in the hunt. But I want to ask about teams that are at the top of the hunt. The contenders last year or last week when you were out, I should say Jordan Renan and I named our true contenders in the conferences and mine were the Bucks, Cardinals and Packers and the Patriots and Chiefs. Those were the only teams that I said, you know, for sure, I really feel like these teams could, could go all the way. And three of those five lost this weekend. So if you're looking at the Bucks, the Cardinals, and the Patriots, did this weekend's outcome affect at all? how you feel about their chances going forward.
7: Now I don't love the Patriots just because Mac Jones doesn't have as much experience moving forward. But I think if there's anyone that, that their fortunes changed, it's honestly the bucks. I mean, the injury bug is just hit that team this year and losing Godwin, I think has tremendous consequence for them. Yes. So uh, that's going to make it tougher on Tom. And you know, as much as I love Tom Brady and want to think he can persevere through anything, I just don't know. So I think the road got much tougher and, and I, I, Respect that list a lot. I think you guys got pretty much everything in there. I just, I'm curious why you left the Cowboys out, even though their offense has had moments where it doesn't look good. I do think that the Cowboys are the one team that you didn't list that I do trust in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, um, I do. I, I I do think that at the end of that conversation, we both talked about why we left the Cowboys out. And I, I needed to see a lot more from that offense. The defense has been fantastic. Just talked about that. In fact, there's a cool bet going on uh, between the offense and defense within that team over the rest of the games of the season and takeaways versus touchdowns kind of to motivate each other. Um, it, it's just that I haven't seen enough over the course of weeks now for for the Cowboys to feel like a team that I really consider a contender. That's just, that's just how I saw it. Now, we didn't completely agree. I think um, there was another team that, oh, you know what? Uh, uh, it was the Bills that Jordan still had mm. as a real contender. And while I've seen them be successful um, and, and very scary, I just think the balance not being there means that you know how to beat them. Uh, you got you force them to try to run the ball, and they can't. And if you've got the right personnel to do that, it's, it's easy to take them out of a game. Yeah, so. I
7: couldn't agree with you more on the Bills. I'm out because they can't run the football.
1: And they lost to the Jags in Irving Meyer, <laughs> um, which should never be forgotten. I Coming up on Spain and Fitz, a lot to get to without a lot of time, so we do it the only way we know how. Quickies, next.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Is it is it our birthday if both of our teams are playing on Monday Night Football while we're at work so we can't watch with great attention? Maybe for me. It might be better for me to be half-watching the Bears at this point. I don't know if they deserve my undivided attention, especially a Bears team with, like, most of the roster out with COVID. Uh, Justin Jefferson's going to absolutely make us look silly. We got no DBs. It's going to be ugly. It's Spain and bits. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. We've got so much to get to and so little time. So it's time for Quickies.
0: Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast.
1: Fitz, I know that people are not monoliths, and you can really admire someone for some of the things they do and then be frustrated with other things. Kyrie is a great example, does some really great charitable things, and then I find his anti-vax status and his uh, flat-earth BS uh, infuriating and, 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 and exhausting. Uh, Bruce Arians is a great example of someone who I respect uh, so much of what he does, uh, in particular that staff he put together um, that's full of people who are black, white, young, old, gay, straight, every color of the rainbow, and they are a great example for the rest of the league that it works. And I think his dedication to diversity on his staff and, and so many of the things he stands for are fantastic. I can also think that it's absolute crap that Bruce Arians said... When Antonio Brown became available the first time, we were not going to have him on our team. Then things changed, and he decided that he would put Antonio Brown on his team. But then he said if he screws up one time, he's done. Well, guess what? He screwed up in terms of a felony fake vaccination card. A federal crime was suspended three games. Arians made it sound like he might not bring him back. And now he's changed his mind, and he says... That he made the best decision for his football team when he was asked what he would say to people who, you know, maybe question this choice and this decision. He said, I could give a bleep what they think. The only thing I care about is this football team and what's best for us. He's a cancer survivor. He's almost 70 years old. He has an 83-year-old assistant and a player presented himself as vaccinated when he wasn't. He's going against everything he said he stood for. And now he's gotten to the point where he's saying he doesn't even give a bleep what people think, he just cares about his team. That's a lot fits for me to have to try to shrug off,
7: yeah, that's tough to shrug off, and I mean, on the one hand, you'd say it's a common thread through all of it, like, hey, whatever helps us win games will do it doesn't matter what you look like where you've been for, where you've been, or in this case, what you've done and i I think the federal crime part of it is the part that has been really sort of under talked about to me, like where are we on that? What are they going to do and and for him to just be brought back is I, it was stunning to me. I really, I, I'm not saying that I thought AB was never going to get another chance. It's just hard to have that reversal without at least some explanation. And unfortunately, like it, oh, he gave it or not. You
1: one. Doesn't give a bleep. Yeah, I that's mean his explanation. That's
7: fair. Uh, it, unfortunately, he he knows well enough to know that the the questions aren't going to stop for him. So I, it's unfortunate he chose to handle it that way.
1: Yeah, it is unfortunate. It's disappointing. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, again, it's not that we should be surprised by morality taking a backseat to winning in this league. It's just don't set yourself up to have to go against what you said you stood for multiple times. Uh, just own it if you're going to be just like everybody else. And that, as it turns out, is what Arians is. Next story. Quickies. Urban Meyer. Oh, Fitz, I was bummed when you were out all of last week. Oh. I was really enjoying All of the things that went down. Um, And now, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars saying that he was fired for cause and they don't intend to pay the rest of his contract. Four years, a lot of money rumored to be somewhere around $50 million. And a spokesman for Shad Khan told the AP decision to move on uh was made after their loss their shutout loss to tennessee uh that you know there was a whole thing a whole bunch of things that all conspired to, to result in the firing and they don't plan plan on paying him i don't think this is going to go easily for them fits I, yeah. I think he's going to put up a fight
7: well i mean yeah because so much of that money is still owed how could they not put up a fight uh, how, you know if you're his camp, you're going to look at it and say, what was this specific thing for cause in this moment? Because this is why I thought it was a little surprising that they didn't do anything when he didn't travel back with the team, because I thought maybe mm-hmm. that they would build, build the case of cause then for them to let him back th- at that point. I've got to wonder what other documents they were essentially keeping to try and get themselves in that situation, because I I, I can't make it make sense in my mind how we got to the point that there would be cause cause. Now, but not then. And I'm sure that's what Urban Meyer is going to be arguing. Shad Khan should have seen this coming. He is smart enough to be worth billions of dollars, so he should be smart enough to understand how he could have gotten out of this contract.
1: Well, and if it had anything to do with kicking Josh Lambeau, the kicker, mm, uh, former yes. Jaguars kicker, then he would have needed to make that decision after he found out about it, not after it went public, because that was reported to the team immediately after it happened, and clearly the team at that time, which was still post uh, preseason, thought to themselves, well, I'm sure he's going to have a ton of success and we'll just let it ride. We don't mind that he kicked one of our players. Uh, as it turned out, not the case not successful, uh, not liked at all. And it was well past that incident if they were trying to use that as specific. So I think they need to point to, um, a whole bunch of things all coming together, which might be a little bit more difficult to prove, uh, you know, if, if there's legal action taken it's main and bits, we're doing quickies. Let's get the next story. Quickies. Um, Aaron Rodgers. uh, (laughs) Hilariously, on a call for Round the Horn this morning, George Sedano said, I think, you know, why wouldn't we take him at his word, to which I laughed for like five straight minutes without stopping, um, about anything, really. But the idea that what we're getting from him tells the story of whether or not he's staying in Green Bay, it just doesn't jive for me. I think there's any number of reasons for him to, you know, do things like say what he did after the, the division was clinched uh, this weekend, you know, that this is special and, and and it's something that you should care about. In fact, here's what he said.
6: I
7: think in moments like this it's important to uh, as much as you win with class, you have to savor these a little bit. These are, these are special. It's just the first step in our goals, but um, a lot of times a coach speak, and I'm not saying Matt did this, but a lot of times there might be coach speak that takes over and says, Hey, you know, this is okay. This is just one goal. And we have bigger goals and stuff, but I think it's important to keep that perspective on how special uh, accomplishing this is three years in a row. And so just to enjoy it, to
0: savor and savor these moments. These are are special moments.
1: A couple reasons for that, Fitz. One, that they come up short a lot. And so uh, wanting to preserve the legacy of reminding people that winning the division repeatedly is a successful season, even if you don't go all the way. And then also because he's either selling that he's leaving and he's taking everything really to heart this season, or he's trying to prove that it's really meaningful to him and maybe he'll come back because it matters so much. I don't think you can read it, but Rob Domovsky is among those who's trying to.
4: It's gone really well. Um, Rodgers has even gone out of his way to praise Gutukuns and some of the moves he's made, like picking up Douglas and signing um, uh, Devondre Campbell, like I mentioned. So, unless something major goes really bad over the next, you know, six eight weeks, I think there's a better than fifty fifty chance that he's back in Green Bay.
1: All right, you buying that or you buying the Diana Rossini report that even if they win a Super Bowl, he's probably not coming back?
7: Yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine that there's any way to undo what's been done here. But also, like, uh, it's maddening to me that that's where we are. That for somebody that, that literally sits on the Pat McAfee show every week and speaks – we're still trying to speak for him because he refuses to speak directly about what yeah. he wants. Like, it's just, this is. Which, the sp- by the way,
1: in this case is a little bit different because it'd be really weird if he was like, yep, I'm leaving after this, right? Like, he kind of, it, 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 the vagaries maybe are important here. Everywhere else, I agree with you. Yeah,
7: I, I just think at some point, it, when you speak every week, if you don't have anything to say, then just stay away from this topic entirely. Right. But I guess that's right. not, you're right, that's not really a reality. I, I'm just not buying that the, there's water under the bridge. I, I, he's gone in my mind.
1: Uh, Pat McAfee, speaking of, asked him, you know, you're really enjoying playing in Green Bay. or you having a great time playing football in Green Bay? And he said, I really love playing football, man. Again, who knows if he's intentionally being vague. It's really hard to tell with him. I'm not going to begin to try to get into the head of Aaron Rodgers, right? It just doesn't feel fruitful at this point i think that you could be playing people up so that they really think you're going to leave and when you come back it's this incredible ovation this incredible sigh of relief mm. from people who thought you were gone kind of like this year right so you could build them up to make them think you're leaving or it could be the opposite where it's i don't want to stir things up while we're trying to compete i'll wait until the end to be honest who knows coming up a week and full of takes to get to
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: We'll keep you updated on the second Monday night football game. So far, the Vikings inexplicably not really doing a whole lot to test the completely banged up secondary of the Bears. Uh, Maybe they're just saving that for a little bit later in the night. I anticipate that we'll be seeing Justin Jefferson a whole lot. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contracts, no compromise. We're going to do the Straight Talk here by telling you which of the takes this weekend were good takes and which of them were hot takes.
0: Time to cut through the BS and rate the best takes of the day. Are they good takes? He would be the best quarterback in the history of New York to land here. or hot takes. Hot takes.
2: Get
0: the damn ball and
1: let him decide.
0: But that's not the Greenway way. Find out now on Spain and Fitz.
1: That's right. Good take, hot take. Bloviating gas bags from around the biz give their takes on the weekend's action in the NFL. And then we tell you whether it was a good take or a hot take, a lot of people talking today about the Ravens and John Harbaugh's decision to go for two at the end of that game. Not just because it didn't work out and they lost. A lot of people actually saying that the analytics would tell you that there was a slightly better chance of winning with a kick there, 51%. So basically a toss-up. But... The people who said, go for it, but bad play call. People who said, should have kicked it. It all is under the context of the fact that this is the second straight time that this has happened to them going for two in a very close game. In fact, I believe that's now three losses by a combined four points for this Ravens team. Keyshawn Johnson was on Keyshawn, Jaywell Well and Max this morning. Talked about how it's the idea of analytics that's to blame.
4: Maybe I'm old. I don't I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I look damn good, but maybe I'm just <laughs> old. And in the end, these analytics and this whole thing has gotten in the way of the way you're supposed to manage a football game. And when I played, that would have never happened. We go for it on fourth down maybe once, maybe twice, but we're talking fourth and inches, fourth and one. Otherwise we getting ready to kick the field goal and take the points.
1: Okay, Fitz, good take or hot take?
7: I mean, that's a hot take. And, you know, Keyshawn couldn't be any more get-off-my-lawn old guy than he is with that take in general. And, you know, we pick and choose when we like it. I'm with – I know there was a lot of conversation about, you know, whether or not they should have gone for two on the prior touchdown – analytics are still something that I wrap my head around and I'll be honest I still argue with my buddies about it all the time like I, I, I'm i the first to say for me I'm risk averse and I look at it and say if you got points on the board take those points but I also watched Nick Mullins run around on a fourth and five and converted against the Raiders late in the game because they didn't want to go two field goals they wanted to go touchdown and be aggressive so we pick and choose when we want to actually look at it and say oh it works it's not analytics that a problem analytics are part of the evolution of football and football looks different today than it did way back when Keyshawn played. Just like when you look at the 80s and 90s, you see guys were built different. They were top-heavy and leg-tiny because that's the way football was played. Like, football constantly evolves, and Key needs to either get with it or get out of the way.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I also think it's a misreading of the situation because, as I mentioned, if he were following analytics in a bubble, he would have kicked it there because it was 51% according to analytics. The analytics are, are a complement of to the in-game decision-making that takes into context all the other factors. And I think most of the get-off-my-lawn people aren't actually criticizing using analytics when they think they are. What they're doing is is presuming that anytime anyone goes for two in a situation, that's quote-unquote analytics telling them to do so. This was a team with 17 players on IR, five players on COVID, four more starters who were on the uh, inactive list, missing six of their top seven corners by the end of the game, and they had just put up 30 points on the Packers' D. I'm fine with you putting your money on your guys in that situation to do it instead of giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers against a completely demolished defense, either in regular or in overtime. Just was a bad play call. That's it. All right, good take, hot take. Let's get to Field Yates on primetime talking about what we discussed earlier. The Lions getting that dub is a good thing.
3: This was good for Detroit for a lot of reasons. First of all, like, it shows there's buy-in to the coach. It shows that the coach and the coaching staff has a good semblance of what they're doing. I like all that stuff from Detroit. Moreover, this is not the year where moving down from, like, pick two to five is missing out on Trevor Lawrence and instead not nice. being available to take one of those great quarterbacks. I am good with the Lions competing and playing hard and winning games right now.
7: That That's a great take. Uh, that's that's not so good a good take. That's a great take, and I think he's... Totally right about all – there just isn't a guy – at the top of this draft that I'm looking at and saying, oh, my God, this guy's going to change the fortunes of your franchise forever. There are some players that might turn out to be really good, and there, I think there's some defensive linemen and offensive linemen that could be really special at the top of the draft, but I'm not looking at this saying, wow, the next John Elway sitting at the top of this draft, and you got to do whatever it takes. Like This isn't a tank for, insert quarterback name, year. So I, I think, and, and also through all of it, you're trying to build some sort of a culture. Anytime I see guys playing hard for a coach, I'm all in for it.
1: I mostly agree with you in the abstract. I, I think that it's much better to play hard. It's terrible to get in the habit of just accepting losses or even rooting for them, going for them for your players to not, you know, have a plan to to get after it every single every single game. I will admit though that there are years where that one pick changes everything. Uh, you know, obviously you could put yourself in that position. The Bears did it last year. They didn't have the pick that they wanted. They ended up 8-8 eight and eight and inexplicably ended up in the postseason and got completely slimed in, in the Nickelodeon game by the Saints. And it would have been better if they hadn't been in it and they got a better draft spot, but they made it work by going out and getting Justin Fields anyway. So I guess if you really have your eye on someone and you think they're going to change your team, you could try to make it happen. Um, I think in this situation, right, it does matter what quarterbacks are available next year um, or this year, I suppose, in the draft. But... I don't think it's always as easy as wishing for your team to succeed, even though that's what's best for the players and maybe for morale. All right, next good take or hot take. Harry Douglas on Niner, uh, on primetime, talk about the Niners, saying they're the best in their division.
2: shock shocked the world right now to let everyone know that my take for today is that the San Francisco 49ers is the best team in the NFC West. They're 5-1 in their last six games. It doesn't matter who their running back is. Cal Shanahan is going to figure out and find a way to make it work.
1: Okay, weird cut at the end there, but a good take or hot take?
7: I mean, I think it's a hot take, but I don't... I don't feel great about saying that because Harry watches so much film and, it, like, he could talk me into, like, I could be mm-hmm. eating a hot soup and before you know it, I'm convinced it's ice cream because Harry Douglas watched it and <laughs> told me so. I heard this take uh, on the radio at the time. I was in the car, and I, I found myself looking at the the radio saying, Harry, you've lost your damn mind. And then over the course of the next few minutes, I was like, wait, he's making some sense. He talked me into it. So, I, But I still feel like, man, it, it just feels hot, but I don't know they're playing really well. Sarah, save me. What is it?
1: It's a got take, is what you're saying? Oh uh, yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. Got take.
7: Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna
1: say hot take. I very much respect Harry Douglas, but I'm looking at the teams that they've beaten. The Falcons, not good. The Bengals, okay. The Seahawks, they lost to the Vikings. Completely unpredictable. The Jaguars, trash. Good win over the Rams. Lost to the Cardinals. You start going back there, and that's when it starts getting dicey, losing to the Colts and the Cards and the Seahawks and the Packers. They had a rough start. It certainly has gotten better, but you're not telling me that this is a better team than the Cardinals or the Rams. Sorry. They've looked a little better of late. I still would put the Cardinals and the Rams as better teams than the Niners this season, even though I expected the Niners to be very good. So that, to me, is a hot take. All right. Last one. Quickly. Let's get Mike Tannenbaum on game day on that Steelers-Titans game. Now, he's not impressed by the Steelers just because they got a dub.
4: Tennessee thoroughly outplayed Pittsburgh on both sides of the ball. Tennessee, unfortunately, had four turnovers, and Pittsburgh was able to convert most of those to field goals. They held Pittsburgh to just two third-down conversions, and if it wasn't for those turnovers, Tennessee would have won handily. And I think the biggest concern for Pittsburgh is, one, they, they really are struggling moving the ball on offense, and secondly, they are struggling stopping the run.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say that this is a good take. I do not think that the Steelers earned this win. Uh, It was handed to them by a Titans team that had some absurd, terrible second half of like punt Fumble, fumble, interception, punt, turn it over on downs. Like they, they, they were shooting themselves in the foot. They were giving the ball away. The Titans can be very good. They can also be very bad and ugly, and that's what it looked like. It wasn't the Steelers really winning this game so much as the Titans giving it away.
7: Yeah, I agree with you. Total, hot, and Totally good take on it, and the Steelers' <laughs> offense is going to be a detriment wherever they end up just like it was last year by the end of the season.
1: Uh, that's good take, hot take. lot of hot takes this week. It's brought to you by Goodyear with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. Coming up, is Dak Prescott going to lose his bet to his own defense? Also, I'm going to ask Fitz about some of those contenders that struggled. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Over on Monday Night Football, Justin Jefferson has the first of what I can only imagine will be somewhere around 11 teen touchdowns today against a completely decimated Bears secondary. Fumble for Justin Fields, Akeem Hicks making a big play. It's tough to watch off to the side, but it's probably best for my health. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Both of us cursed with our teams playing Monday Night Football during our show tonight. What are the odds of that? We're on ESPN, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM channel 80. Uh, Fitz, you were like jogging in. For the Raiders and missed the last kick. And now, second game, you're on the air. Not a good night for you in terms of watching your football.
7: Yeah, well, you're right. But I do have a, a, I have a Vikings nugget for you. Are you ready oh. for the weirdest nugget you've ever heard in your life?
1: I don't know if I could say that that's true until you tell me it.
7: Okay, the weirdest football nugget you've heard all day. I'm going to undersell that. I realized the minute I did it, I oversold it. All right. <laughs> uh, so the Vikings this year, if you eliminate the last two minutes of each half, first half and mm-hmm. the game, you just eliminate those two minutes from the game and so you take away any scores that would happen during that time, the Vikings would be 9, 3, and 1 this season. So the interesting thing about the Vikings is that they absolutely fall apart at the end of halves and at the end of games. It's like it's been their fatal curse this year. So to go full Bill Barnwell when we look at teams and try and figure out their record and how good they are compared to their record, I'd argue that the Vikings have actually been much better this season if it not if it weren't for their end of half collapses, it's a sort of an interesting little piece.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. It's definitely not the craziest uh, nugget I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, sorry, I, just you know. But well, maybe all all, all day.
7: Uh, maybe craziest nugget mm. we've heard. Today. No,
1: actually, the craziest nugget all day was that the last time Tom Brady was held scoreless was 2006 against a Dolphins team coached by Nick Saban and quarterbacked by Joey Harrington.
7: Okay, that is pretty good. I mean, that that I'll give you that. That one's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's pretty I
1: mean, good. I mean, I it's Spain and bit, Sarah Spain Jason. But nine fits. three
7: and one is okay. Go ahead.
1: Okay. <laughs> Earlier in the show, we talked about the Cowboys uh, defense versus offense bet. Who will have more, either forced takeaways or touchdowns, over the course of the last few games? Defense up four-two after this most recent game against the Giants. Four takeaways for them against New York. Just two touchdowns for the for the Cowboys in that game. So I asked you uh, on the Dr Pepper Twitter feed, uh, you guys wanted to be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation by chiming in on the bet. You guys have the defense winning by almost 74% of the vote. Cowboys offense gaining just 26.3%. And I agree with you. Normally, you'd think scoring touchdowns, especially the way we expected that Cowboys offense to be, would be easier. But uh, that defense has been rolling, and I think they're going to stick with it. And uh, uh, Dak Prescott going to be losing some cash on that one. Speaking of the Dr Pepper Twitter feed, <laughs> he's got it to lose. In. By the
7: way, like how much? How much yeah. money does Dak have to lose before he actually? I think actually he's, gives I think it he's all right. I think yeah. he's going to be okay. I yeah, want yeah.
1: some intrepid reporter to give us the stakes of the bet, though. We have not heard it yet, and I want to know what is truly on the line. Uh, for that, I posted a, a video of Fitz running. Uh, that again looks like he is one of the Flintstones trying to power a car, but there is no car. I like uh, to
7: think of it more as like if Forrest Gump did the Hibbity Dibbity with one of the Flintstones, and they had a kid. That's me.
1: Okay, but Forrest Gump was really fast. Which
7: yeah, part but of his Forrest running form—like okay, so his like, running form. so the
1: person he did this, the Flintstone was in exceedingly slow. Yeah, and an their, exceedingly their slow, pool, right? Yeah, their yeah. gene pool destroyed any positives that came from Forrest Gump, well, except for the form. I
7: mean, let's remember Archie Manning was a heck of a runner, and Peyton and Eli weren't. So maybe okay. you know, maybe that right. the, the hibbity pat didn't pass through I think right. You th- definitely—they're the, the even genes. worse
1: now. Comparing yourself to the Mannings somehow. <laughs> let's keep it moving. At gigasmith Smith, <laughs> Seven, chimed in on the dr pepper uh, twitter feed with some news from spain and fitz nation and asked is fitz squeezing a pencil between his cheeks uh it does look like that uh but no i don't believe so i, I think there's other problems uh that are that are the cause of his okay. issues there
7: i got i got really tight hips you know that's uh that we're working on spot that. Talk, we're working on the tight that's hips right
1: That's right. At Shando Calrissian said, something isn't right here. Are his arms pumping backwards or are his legs fighting moving forward? Oh,
7: definitely Uh the legs fighting moving forward. Great question. It
1: did look like your arms and legs were not moving in concert with one another, but rather against each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, some more news from Spain and Fitz Nation. uh, On the Dr. Pepper call-in line, at Phil underscore Staley gave us a highlight, uh, even better than your nugget about the Vikings yet again. There is a rookie for the Bears who's never taken a snap. He is making his debut tonight, and his name is D-Virgin. Oh. That's right. D-Virgin is going to play his first snaps tonight.
7: Wow. Hey, you know what? The internet D-Virgin always wins. D-Virgin is
1: finally getting in.
7: Wow. That is, that is you know, the internet <laughs> always wins on that. Thank you for figuring that out because I never would have seen it. And this is why I could never do play-by-play for a living because I would just giggle the whole time every time I had to say his name.
1: Uh, D-Virgin, D-Virgin going great. up for the ball. Yep, that's right. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz. So, I like our our producer Chris said Fitz. Honestly, the worst nugget of the show. Yeah, wow. I mean, I wow. mean, I uh, I... you missed a lot of good nuggets. I got yeah. a lot of good ones earlier, and you know, uh, who never misses you know, good
7: nuggets? D. Virgin.
1: D Virgin has always missed good nuggets. That's the problem. Making, but tonight, I'm making producer change. Chris
7: very uncomfortable at this. Well,
1: because they're not good either. They're like on the line, Thank but you. they're not. They're, you're not nailing it. Uh-huh. Something D Virgin understands. Well, uh, ESPN Radio <laughs> is presented by Progressive Insurance. Commercial insurance through Progressive protects your business and your dream. Choose from over 30 Martin got
7: nothing on this. Go ahead.
1: Sorry. <laughs> At progressivecommercial.com. <laughs> we started the show talking about contenders in the AFC and <laughs> NFC that lost this week in three of my five. Um, and I, I'm curious if you rejiggered your power rankings in the NFL after seeing the Pats, the Bucks, and, and, and the Cardinals lose.
7: I think the Cardinals are, are a team that I've given a lot of love and respect to week in and week out. And I feel like I've been just – uh, pounding the table every week saying they should get more because of what they accomplished through all the injuries and then you see what they did against the lions and all of a sudden I'm tail tucked between my legs so they definitely fall mm-hmm. on my uh, my yeah. mindset of power uh, and and I and think not just
1: because of the game but because there's a pattern there and unfortunately the, the 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 Cardinals are playing their worst football of the year and while the swoon is coming much later than last year's they started five and two last year, finished three and six. They had two win in your in games that they could not find a W in during the last last couple of weeks of the season. And even though they are saying things are not the same, of course they've got ten wins, that gives them a much bigger buffer. But they have lost two in a row, four of their last seven, and they've looked bad, especially Kyler, in those last couple games.
7: Well, and you know, I had a conversation this morning with Jeff Saturday on Sports Nation. About Kyler, particularly, and, you know, he he mentioned a concern that really opened my eyes because he said, you know, concerned about his body language and the way he sort of handles things when they're not going well. And it's a reminder that we forget that Kyler came into uh, sort of a rare situation. In the sense that they haven't really—I mean, they had the first year for him. They were five, ten, and one, but it felt like they were ascending from the get-go. Like the minute they had him, it felt like things were moving in the right direction. Now, you know, they go eight and eight. Now they're ten and four. Every year, there's been a little bit more expectation, and he hasn't had to necessarily live through the abject disaster known as, for example, a Jags season. So, you know, there's a question of of how he handles it. Most of these quarterbacks. Uh, at this point, have already had to go through a lot of that. He's had to go through a little of that. So I think there is a real conversation about Kyler and just sort of how he handles these moments and what we should expect. Because I said earlier, you know, I'm not sure I believe in the Patriots all the time because I haven't seen it from Mac Jones in the playoffs, and that matters to me going into the playoffs. Well, certainly haven't seen it from Kyler Murray in the playoffs either, and so I have to have that same standard.
1: Not just Kyler Murray, though, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. And while Kyler's statistics are, are very clearly part of the issue that they've had of late, uh, you know, it, it's it's not easy uh, to, to avoid the fact that he has played a big role in their struggles. DeAndre Hopkins being out is huge for this team. But Cliff Kingsbury now has a narrative that can't be denied of his teams not being able to come uh, come close to repeating the success they have early in the season late and also struggling against big opponents in really high pressure games uh, and that is often where you're going to look to the coach um, not just the quarterback but the coach as well it's a problem across the team because the defense that was also so solid early on has been struggling so I agree the Cardinals took a hit this weekend and, and I've been uh, pumping their tires all season long and now I'm Worried that they might have a flat. Wow, that was an incredible analogy. Wow. I really, really, I really feel that. like
7: I, I, I rubbed off on you over the course of the last 10 minutes. Just, I'm
1: sad about that. Yeah. I was really nailing the analogies, and then you showed up. Coming up, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, they're going to have the entire Raiders team on to talk about the new and D-Virgin tonight. And D-Virgin will <laughs> stop by. See ya.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.